but we're going to do this today through a thought we're going to call buried treasure. Buried treasure, all right? So Matthew 13, we'll be there in just a few minutes, but we kind of like to talk before we get rolling here. Uh, so I'm going to ask you to, to interact here, maybe here just with me in just, uh, in just a minute. But about seven years ago, there was a man uh, named Forrest Finn. Have you heard of Forrest Finn? Forrest Finn is a uh, multimillionaire, a uh, man who has quite a bit of money, and he is a risk taker. He's in kind of a, a guy that likes to take these adventures, these journeys. He goes on things that are uh, most people might consider too dangerous. That's been kind of the MO of his life. And about seven years ago, he took a treasure chest and he buried about $2 million worth of gold coins and gems in that chest deep in these mountains in New Mexico. All right? And for years now, seven years, there have been thousands of people who have tried to take this challenge to go find the treasure. Have you heard of this? All right? So some of you are going to dart out of here today, aren't you? You're going to go look for it. I'm a guy, I don't necessarily want the money. I mean, I wouldn't reject it either. But I like the challenge of just going look for this thing, like trying to find this chest. He's hidden it. He's given nine very specific clues in a poem. And what he believes is that this will outlive him. And so maybe for hundreds of years, people will keep reading his story and they're going to go look for this treasure. Uh, and hopefully somewhere along the way, somebody will find it and there's a note in there uh, that tells them kind of what their next steps are supposed to be. Um, but what's happened to this point, there have been two people who've died in pursuit of this treasure chest. One of those was just this past June, June 21st. There was a pastor from Colorado, 50-some years old, left on a Monday, and he didn't show up for their Wednesday night service. Some people got a little concerned. They hadn't heard, of, heard anything from him, and uh, lo and behold, he had, uh, he had passed away. They found him about seven miles from his vehicle. Not sure what the cause of death was, but in pursuit of treasure that he never found, he lost his life. All right? So treasure has a way of drawing us in. People search treasure all the time. We were at the beach here recently, and you'll see people with metal detectors walking around, and they're looking for anything they can find, probably jewelry, you know, things like that that people lose, uh, lose when the waves knock them over, or glasses or whatever, anything that might be uh, something that can be attracted there. Uh, but as I was thinking through this, like how... How frustrating is it to search for something and not find it? Ever been there? Yeah. <laughs> it happened to me this week. I was looking for my house key. I lent it to a friend, a neighbor, since we were out of town. And I was looking for it, and I forgot that I'd put it on my key ring. You ever done that? Look for something, look for your glasses, and they're on your face, right? Or uh, try to start your car, and it's already started, right? Things like that. So... We understand that, but I, I'm sure you understand also what it is to search for something and never find it and just how frustrating that can be. So for us, sometimes that's the remote control of the TV. You guys probably never lose that. We lose them. I don't know how we lose them, all right? But we do. We tend to lose those. Or hairbrushes, we own 50, and we can find one a week. And it's like, where do they go? Right? It's like they have legs or something. Our stuffed animals use them at nighttime, I guess. But searching and not finding is, is really disheartening. But when you search and find what you're looking for, then there's delight or there's joy, or there's some satisfaction there. And so that's going to be the context that we're looking at here in Matthew um, chapter 13. We're going to read just a couple little parables here, uh, two stories that really tell the same story as it relates to buried treasure. All right, so if you'd 
like to turn there if you're there already. We're going to read just these few verses and then we'll track through uh, this thought here this morning. So here we've got Jesus sharing a parable and what he's saying, the kingdom of heaven is like. The kingdom of heaven is like. So he's trying to give a picture of what it's like to be part of God's kingdom. And specifically here you've got the gospel, you've got Jesus, and you've got the work of the kingdom, all that wrapped up into these stories. And as a part of this story, we find out some things about what we treasure. Right? So today we're going to be looking at perspective, we're going to be looking at attitude and response. So we're going to talk about the perspective of treasure, the attitude of treasure, and then the response to treasure as we make our way through. All right? So here's just three verses right here. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in, in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought the field. And again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. And when he found one of great value, he went away and sold everything he had and he bought it. Okay? So combining here what our theme for this week is, trying to steward well what God has given us, stewarding your treasure, all right, as we think about perspective and attitude and response uh, here in light of the kingdom of heaven. So if you've got a bulletin, you can track with us there. A few things we'll highlight. Uh, you don't have to write on it at all, but you may want to. Uh, if something comes to mind that you can look up later or ask a question about later, um, just something there for your personal use. All right, so three things that we'll work through in these three verses. And one is this, where Christ is found, our perspective of treasure is going to shift. Right, where Christ is found, so where the treasure that I'm searching for is found, and when that's Christ, you're going to begin to notice that there is a shift in how you view things. So uh, in our opening story, right, you've got a guy that's searching for treasure. And in this story, it's a little different than the uh, Forrest Finn's story, right? People are searching for the treasure, but they haven't found it. Here in this story, the guy is searching, two different individuals are searching, really, and they have both found the treasure that they're looking for. And what you'll see here, there's going to be a difference in how they think about the treasure that they did possess. And so let's go back and read verse 44, where it says, The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy he went and sold all he had, and he bought that field. Now, how much stuff did the man have? We don't know, right? Uh, how much money did he get for selling all that he had? We don't know that either. So we don't know how much he had. We don't know much, how much money he received for selling all he had. And those two things really aren't what's most important. Uh, what's important here to note is that when he found Jesus, he found something more satisfying than anything else that he possessed. Okay, searching, 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 found something that was more satisfying than anything that he possessed, and the result was he was going to do whatever was necessary to obtain. So last week we said, Psalm 119, everybody on the planet is looking for happiness. You've been created to be delighted. You've been created to be satisfied. You've been created for your soul to find contentment. And we look for this in all sorts of things, Right? We look for it in relationships with people. We look for it in how other people view us. We look for it in our job or how much money we make or our possessions. We look for it in uh, addictions. Okay? We look for it in living out indulgence, like chasing everything we possibly can to try to find some sort of pleasure. That's naturally built in because we're supposed to be delighted. That's the goal. right? We've been created to glorify God for His pleasure 
but he planned that we would find our greatest delight in him. So searching delight's not the problem. The problem is we tend to search for it in areas where it can never satisfy, and we're just like the people looking for Forrest Finn's treasure. We never find it. So to find Jesus here initially is this. Here's the picture. So we've got the field. The field's the gospel. And in the gospel is hid this treasure just buried beneath the surface. And the treasure is Jesus Christ. And for those who find the treasure, that is those who hear the gospel and believe in Jesus, we believe the Bible teaches that you are saved. And so there is a transformation there. And part of the transformation is the change in how you see things. And specifically here we're talking about treasure. So to know Jesus is to know life. And as we find this to be true, our perspective changes. Think about the song that we sing here sometimes which says, um, turn your eyes upon Jesus. Remember that? Look full on His wonderful face and the things of earth grow strangely dim right, in the light of His glory and grace. So things that draw our hearts here um, can begin to fade as we begin to pursue Christ more. So when I'm delighted in Christ, when I find contentment in Christ, then relationships, money, job, reputation, addiction, that stuff no longer has the lure or pull that it once had. There's a perspective change when you and I find the true treasure. And the reality is there's no comparison. Right? Treasure of this world seems meaningless in light of finding the treasure of Christ. You remember Paul saying... Um, I count all this as loss. I consider everything rubbish, right? And compared to knowing Jesus Christ. And so the reality for him was there was nothing greater on the planet to know, no one greater to know rather, than Christ. And so for him, his perspective changed when he found Jesus, just as it did for these individuals. They hadn't sold all they had up to this point, right? They were obtaining. They were getting more stuff. Found treasure in a field. Found a great pearl like none other. And they lose all for what it was that they had found there. Alright, so initially here then, where Christ is found, you're going to begin to experience a shift in your perspective. I want Jesus more than I want money. I want Jesus more than I want fame. I want Jesus more than, and you fill it in, there will be a shift in your perspective. Alright, secondly here, where Christ is found, we talked about this delight, alright? So there's going to be a joy that comes from finding Jesus Christ. And what we're saying here is our joy then is found in using what we have for His kingdom. Now, in the context of this story, we only have the viewpoint of the individual who found the treasure. And we just said when he found it, his perspective changed. He sold all he had and he invested in the field. Okay? So that's perspective. What we're looking at here now is attitude. What was the attitude of this guy um, with which he did what he did? And so back in verse 44, here we, here we go again. Matthew 13, 44. The kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. When a man found it, he hid it again. And then in his joy, he went and sold all he had and he bought the field. Alright? Perspective. Change of viewpoint on what treasure really is. Attitude now was driven by the joy of what he had found in the field. And I think sometimes we get this whole following Jesus thing messed up. And I know just from conversations I had with two people yesterday, we just get it messed up. Right? We think it's about making sure I do that and don't do that. And making sure I'm here but not there. And I speak this way but not that way. And it's, we forget about the relationship. We forget about the connection with God the Father through the Son. 
And so let me give you a few different scenarios here and maybe this uh, would identify you or maybe somebody you know in your life. So if you ever feel like going to church, gathering as we are here now is an obligation, or if you ever come here and feel like, oh, it's Sunday and this is what I have to do. I need to go somewhere because I'm a Christian. What I would say to you is you've probably lost perspective of the treasure. Right? Following Jesus has become a to-do and not to-do. So maybe you've just lost some perspective there, lost sight of the treasure. And we're talking about stewarding well the treasure that we have here. If when the offering plate is passed and you find yourself giving, but not from generosity, but because the person beside me is giving or because it's what Christians do and I'm supposed to give, but I would rather spend this money on something else, I could really use this somewhere else. That's probably true. You probably could use it somewhere else. But what I would say to you is you've probably lost sight of the treasure. Right? What's compelling you is guilt. Right? If you hit the alarm clock and get up, oh, it's Sunday, I've got to go to church. Right? We don't have to go to church. We what? We get to go to church and not just get to go, but we are the church. So never settle. Never settle for going to church. That's dull and boring. Be the church. Going to church is something you might do for an hour or two a week. Being the church is life. It's all day, every day. So I'm not saying don't go to church. I'm just saying that's a small part of what it means to be a follower of Jesus. Guilt-driven versus, versus grace-driven. So maybe you felt that way about going to church. Maybe you felt that way about giving money. What about time? Have you ever felt like, I know I should be giving my time service to others. I know I should be using my abilities for kingdom things. But I'd like to use it in other areas. There's other ways I'd like to invest my time, and I don't want to overcommit to doing mission things or church-related things or kingdom-related things because then it means I can't do all this other stuff. Right? I'm not saying that other stuff would be bad for you to do. What I'm saying is if we're driven by guilt, we've probably lost sight of what? We've probably lost sight of the treasure. Right? What drove the man in our story here was not guilt. He's the only guy in the story. Nobody's telling him what to do. There's not a heavy hand commanding saying, now do this. All it says was, he was searching, he found, and in his joy, then he was driven to sell. And here this is the picture of giving all or fully investing in the kingdom. And so his joy was found in, in using what he had to invest in, in the kingdom. So I would say if you struggle to commit your time or money, or if you feel like I have to go to church, Maybe you've just lost sight of the treasure. doesn't mean you're not a follower. Maybe our perspective has shifted. All right? Maybe we need just a little adjustment in our attitude. Now, Paul talks about a group of people who were driven by their joy. Right? And I would much rather be driven along by joy, what I get to do based on what Jesus has done for me, rather than driven by what I feel like I have to do because you guys are watching me. And you guys have certain expectations of the role that I fulfill. And so i got to do this because they're watching. Or i got to do this because I'm a pastor. i got to do this because I'm a dad or a teacher or whatever. I don't want to be driven by my title. I want to be compelled by my joy. And so Paul talks about some people in 2 Corinthians chapter 8. You might remember these people. Remember the Macedonian believers? He's going to write about them and he's going to brag about their generosity and what they were driven by. And so let's look at this. 2 Corinthians 8, 1-4. Now, brothers and sisters, 
We want you to know about the grace God has given the Macedonian churches. In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. What is driving them? It's their overwhelming joy in the midst of even having extreme poverty. Okay, That's what's driving them here. For I testify, they gave as much as they were able and even beyond their ability. Entirely on their own, they urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. Okay? So they gave what they could, then they gave more than they should. Right? Because they just were driven by the joy that they had found in Christ. And so they wanted to partner. And it was a delight, right? They urgently pleaded with us for the privilege of sharing in this service to the Lord's people. See, where Christ is found, the stewarding of my treasure is not have to, it's get to. There's delight because I, my, my joy is seated in or it's governed by Jesus. So they were living their lives in light of what Jesus had done for them and the result was they were compelled by their joy here in that text to give generously uh, in what we read this morning to sell everything and fully invest. Okay? So we've got perspective. There's a shift on how we view treasure when you find Jesus Christ. You won't find that anywhere else. Okay? Chase relationships and try to make that satisfy you. Then you'll start chasing money because relationships won't satisfy you. Alright? Start chasing retirement. Start chasing a better health plan. Start chasing the right political party. Start chasing your rights. And you're just going to keep chasing all this stuff because none of it can satisfy you. Zilch. When you find Jesus, it's a game changer. Your whole perspective changes on what you treasure. When you find Jesus, there should be delight and joy which compels you and I then to use what we have for His kingdom. It's not have to, get to. And then we look here last, there's a surrender. And this surrender is going to be something that's natural. It just falls in line with somebody who has found Jesus, who has a changed perspective, whose heart and soul has been delighted in Christ. So surrender is the natural and reasonable response. So we look back at this. Both these guys, one guy's in a field. All right, Verse 44 didn't say that he was searching, but not very often do we find something that we're not searching for. So he found and went and hid, and then he went and sold all and purchased the field. The other gentleman was searching. That's what the text says. And when he found a pearl like none other, then he went and sold all that he had, um, to make the purchase. Now, don't confuse the parable. Okay? This doesn't mean that we can purchase salvation. It doesn't mean sell everything you have and then Jesus will be pleased enough with you to save you. This isn't about buying something with money that's already been blood-bought and the only, purchase, the only way it could have been purchased by Christ. And so, all we're seeing here is, that, is the whole process. Perspective changed. There's a joyous attitude, and now here's the response. Here's the response of finding Christ. And so once again, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field. And when a man found it, he hid it again, and then in his joy, he went and sold all he had, and he bought the field. Again, the kingdom of heaven is like a merchant looking for fine pearls. When he found one of great value, he went away, he sold everything he had, and he bought it. So the... Re- the response is this. When you find Jesus, it's natural then to fully surrender. 
Right? No one should have to like pull you along. No pastor should have to try to really drive it into the heart of Christians that you and I need to be fully submitted to Him. Does that make sense? Like the natural response is just based on what you've done for me, based on what I've found in you to be my sole treasure, I give you everything. Everything that I am, all that I have, whatever you want to do with it, you use it for, for your glory. Because we feel and we believe that you're worthy, right? We sang it this morning, you're worthy, right? To receive what? Alright, glory and honor. You're worthy to receive all things. Right? And for thy pleasure, they are created. All these things have been created for your pleasure. And so we're saying in return, you're worthy. Anything I could bring to you, you're worthy to receive it from, from me. And so complete surrender is just nothing more than a reasonable response. And for some of us to withhold in light of who He is, it means maybe we've lost sight of, of the treasure. You know, Paul told the Roman believers... And he was urging them, right? Romans 12, he says, I urge you, brothers and sisters, in view of what God has done for you, present your body as a living sacrifice. All right? That's everything. Full surrender. Holy and acceptable to God. This is your reasonable act of worship. Or this is your reasonable service. Full surrender to a world may sound radical. Full surrender to someone who sought treasure and found it just sounds natural. It's the reasonable response for somebody who has found what's buried just below the surface and that person is Jesus Christ. And so it's reasonable and it's something that you and I, hopefully we've found in Christ. Maybe you haven't found that and we'd like to share with you here in just a minute how you could do that. But as you think through treasure, you know, treasure has a way of luring you and I. You ever been lured by treasure? Money. All right. Good health. A house, car, more of whatever, you name it, all right? Relationship. Sometimes we can get lured to purchase secondary gifts, all right? I guess you wouldn't purchase a gift. To purchase secondary items, something that cannot satisfy you or me. We get lured into settling for that rather than continuing to pursue Christ and in Him finding Him as our greatest treasure. You know, sometimes it can trick us into thinking that this will satisfy you. you know, watching people being led around by the hand last night, thinking that what they were drinking was going to satisfy them. And only to wake up today and feel just as empty as they were before the first sip. Right? Because it can't satisfy. So what are you going to do if you're in that situation? They're going to do the same thing that you and I would do in that situation. You're going to look for something else that can get you back to that point where you felt temporarily satisfied. They're settling for secondary things. And yeah, they've been created just like you and I have to be delighted. But the true delight is found only in Christ. Right? What I like about this story is these guys, they give the impression that they've been searching for a long time. And when they found Jesus, what happened? The searching ceased because they had found in Him everything that they needed. So where Christ is found, there's a change of perspective. And what I used to value, now I value something as most valuable. There's a change of heart. What I used to delight in and what I used to desire most begins to fade as my eyes continue to stay fixed on Jesus. I delight in using my life for His glory. 
And it begs then that full surrender. It's just my reasonable response. Everything you've done for me in light of that, 10,000 reasons, right? everything I can give back to you is just small potatoes. It doesn't measure up. But it's my joy to do so, not just my responsibility or obligation. And so what I wonder today as we close is this. Have you found, have you found this treasure? Have you found the treasure that we're talking about? His name's Jesus. And the truth is, only He will satisfy and only He will delight. And He is the end of your searching. The Bible tells us that as all people have sinned, that includes you and I, and people who receive Jesus Christ as Savior find forgiveness. And they find relationship with God through faith in His Son. And so maybe for you today, that's where it begins. You'd like to trust in Jesus Christ as your Savior, confessing, repenting of your sins, putting your hope in Him. We'd love to pray with you to do so. Right, but maybe as we sit here this morning, we, we feel like people who found the treasure, but maybe it's kind of grown tarnished to us a little bit. Maybe it's not the delight that it once was. Maybe I don't pursue it as most valuable. Maybe I'm holding tightly to some things because to fully surrender doesn't really sound reasonable. Friend, all that means is today we need to pray and ask God, I need to change a perspective. I need you to help me to see you again for the treasure that you are. So help me move away from whatever it is that's trying to lure my heart to secondary things. Right? Help me get back to that place where open hands, whatever you want to do with my life, do it. It's all for your glory, created for your worth and for your pleasure. And so ask Him today to change you. Uh, as once again, you direct your heart and mind back to the greatest treasure.